Empower Radio presents The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And I trust something you hear in the next hour will inspire you to live a more fulfilling life. Why do I say that? Well, our guest today says that an open and aware human heart is the window through which the greatest learning and fulfillment comes. So it is time to open our hearts. Imagine this here. Have you ever had the experience of letting your spiritual radiance that comes from within that light shine all the way through you and out to the world in your fullest expression? How about letting your spiritual radiance merge with others in creative work and play? Our guest invites you to shine and shine big because the world needs your warmth, your light, and your gravity. Sound interesting? It's who you already are on the inside and everything in your life is conspiring for you to bring it forth. So I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind, connect with your heart, and settle into your essential self as I introduce our guest. David Karcher is a spiritual teacher, visionary, and leader of the global spiritual community, Emissaries of Divine Light. David practices embodied spirituality based on the understanding that all aspects of human experience can be filled with the deepest truth and the highest love now in this life. He's a writer, poet, composer, songwriter, and creates inspiring, empowering programs for spiritual awakening and personal development. David leads Sunrise Ranch, a conference and retreat center in the beautiful foothills of the Rocky Mountains in Loveland, Colorado. I've been there so many times. I encourage you all to go check that out. And it's a thriving spiritual community that provides a home of homes for many people around the world. And I can say so much more, but I can't wait to get into this conversation. So welcome, David. Thank you, Julie. It's such a joy to be with you uh, on this show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You know, David, I have to be honest with you. I, When I was preparing for the show, I began thinking that I, I just want to just sit in your presence and just have this conversation. It doesn't even matter what we talk about because you do embody this radiance that we're going to be talking about today. And every time I've been with you, I, it's just, you just carry that. So, so thank you for bringing that with you into this conversation today. Oh, that's so kind, Julie. And uh, I, I just take great pleasure in speaking with you. You know, we were together at a conference recently and I, I heard you speak up on several occasions and looked for opportunities to get in the conversation. And uh, here it is. 
Here it is. Here it is. <laughs> well, you know what? We're going to start this conversation with one of my favorite, favorite things because I have a tradition here on the show okay. of asking a first question because we kind of, we love to set the meme into or set the conversation into a greater meme. And um, like you know, the show is called All Things Connected. So David Karsher, can you share with our listeners, what does All Things Connected mean to you? Well, that's, uh, you know, uh, that's a really an amazing phrase, all things connected. So uh, there's things as we think of them. So there's the, the manifest things. But when I uh, when I hear that statement, I I think of beings, I think of people, I think of energies. And then I think of the larger reality of being itself to that we're all a part of. That, that brings it all together. I, I think of the whole circle of life that we're a part of. And uh, when we're in that circle, when we come into it fully, we find that it's all there. We are connected uh, in a very natural way. We don't have to make it so. It is so. So uh, th- that's what comes to me, Julie. Mm, thank you, David. Well, David, as a as a spiritual teacher and leader and visionary, um, I've got to see your work in a lot of different ways from the peripheral. Like I said, I've I've visited Sunrise Ranch many many times for for beautiful gatherings, and and you your space this year was especially gorgeous. I think it got a really nice uplift. So I want to encourage our listeners to go to Sunrise Ranch too. But you're also this leader of the Emissaries of Light, and you've created beautiful programs. You brought people together. You travel the world. There's so much going on in your life. And now you've written a book and and you do workshops at the same time. And I'm just curious if you could give us a little bit of background about who is David Karsher? How did you get here? What's your story? Yeah, well, thanks for asking, Julie. Uh, you know, really, uh, like a lot of people my age, I'm very much a child of the 60s. Mm-hmm. I grew up in that era when there was so much happening in the country and I was a teenager. I ended up leading a, a protest march, a peace march from my high school to downtown. About 1,200 of us joined thousands more in the center of town in Westport, Connecticut. And I spoke at that rally. And I was you know, well described as an angry young man. I was angry. I was unhappy. Uh, I looked around at the world around me and didn't want to be a part of it like it was. I wanted it all to be different. I wondered what my life was going to be about. But really, I was worrying about the larger world in which I lived and the direction that it was going. And uh, I thought I could change it by railing against it. And I was introduced to people from Sunrise Ranch, and they sh- w- their basic message was that the world has changed because what's on the inside of us comes out, and that that is what's missing in the world today. That's why the world is having trouble, is because that inner reality of the creator that we all are isn't coming out. And that's the root cause of the problem that we're about. And we could try to fix the, solu- fix the problems, come up with solutions for global warming and, and all the conflict in the world and everything else. But if we don't fix this root matter, 
one, we're not going to be very happy, but we, we also don't have much to bring to the larger world. So my life has been all about that. It's, it's been about living that myself, which is, I think, where it starts for each of us. And then finding a way to bring that message to other people, but not just in words, but in a way that leads them into that reality so that they know it for themselves deep in their bones. So uh, I've done many things in my life. I've lived a lot of places. I've had a business career. I taught school. Uh, I've been very actively involved in putting on programs and teaching for, for most of my life. And I've been coming back and forth to Sunrise up until the year 2000 when I, I moved here to participate in the leadership of Sunrise Ranch and to help offer what we're doing here to the rest of the world. And so I've been here for, for 16 years, actually, more or less as of today. It, it was a pretty much exactly 16 years ago that I moved here. Mm. Nice, nice journey. And I, I really appreciate how um, that young man in the 60s was so angry and, you know, leading this march and this rally because I think of your presence and um, it's obvious that the work that you've done and, and how you embody this spirituality has really transformed that. You just, you are this emanation of light. So I really appreciate that. I appreciate that story. Thanks for sharing it. I'm curious, though, and and I know your book your book talks about becoming a son, and we can talk about some of those concepts that I think are beautiful. But I'm really curious about how you describe what's inside, and and how do we lead others into that reality so we can feel it in our bones? And I'm asking that because our world is much like that world of the 60s right now. There's so much turmoil. And as we're, you know, as people are tuning into this and our listeners are wondering, and and you talked about that root matter of being that inside, what is that inside? Let's, let's kind of define that. And then how do we, how do we lead people into that reality so they can really feel it and embody it? Right. So, I, I like to speak of this in terms of primal spirituality. In other words, this is our first spirituality, the spirituality we were born with. And on top of that has been imposed something else. So I'll start with the something else and then come back to what's really there inside. So in our Western culture, we've been taught that we're rotten at the core. I, I don't think that's too far off of what's happened for most people and the way they were brought up. And then you have to try to be good. And that's exactly opposite of what's true. So there is uh, the power of creation at our core, and the power of creation is universal love. That's at the core of each and every person. And what's wrong in our world and what's wrong with us, what goes wrong for us as human being, beings, is not what's at the core. It's what got plastered up on top of that. All the erroneous beliefs, and then along with those beliefs, Patterns of feeling, habits of feeling, and those beliefs go very deep. They, they go deep to a place that says uh, we're essentially victims of what's happening to us. And I think when we wake up to what's happened to human consciousness, including ourselves, 
we just have to take that thing in hand and, and you know, roar back. No, no, I am a creator. I'm not a victim of this life. I'm not a victim of this world or of creation. I am a creator here to create. And to create, what I'm doing is I am taking the very power of creation that's within me. And I, just to be clear, I'm not making stuff up here. We have at an atomic level the power that gets used destructively in atomic bombs. We know it's a it's an incredible power that's in us, and it and it constellates in this miraculous way in us as human beings. And apparently, we have the ability to think and give expression to the amazing wisdom of creation that's within us. And we know we can get stupid and do stupid things and we can be ignorant. So we know about that. But there's also this brilliance that's available to us that that shines through. And if it's shown through for one person, if it's shown through for a Gandhi or a Nelson Mandela or a Martin Luther King or, or for anybody, it's in all of us. And it takes opening to it in heart and mind, and then having the courage to give expression to it. And then that gets down to what you started with, which is, it's the courage to love. And that's, you know, that's a risky business to really express the love that we are on the inside and let it show on the outside, and then let it motivate us and move us in our lives. And it's a very simple idea, but it's very scary for most people. And it sometimes hurts when you do it. And it doesn't always go like you wanted it to go when, when you do it. But then the key is we are a son on the inside. And when we become that on the outside, you know, the, we just keep shining. In other words, living the, a life of a creator and not a victim is a non-reactive life. I'm not shining as the sun because somebody was nice to me or because things went the, the way I wanted them to go. I'm shining as the sun because that's who I am. That's what I am. And I die if I don't. And I live if I do. Mm. And when you know that uh, life changes. Yeah, I I really appreciate that perspective. And I just I really want to go back to your phrase because your your book is called becoming a son but i want to pause first and really um feel into that message that you said does take courage and it is scary and it doesn't always work is really how to love and i know that's one of your um one of the things that you talk about in the book is really being able to give that love but also to really be able to receive it. And I, David, I had a um, conversation with um, several people on Sunday afternoon and it was a heart to heart love filled conversation, but it was one of those difficult ones. You know, it was, Mm -hmm. it was really difficult for the people sitting around the table and there was one person present physically. And I quite frankly, couldn't, feel her. I couldn't feel 
her presence. And that's, it's, it's pretty typical of this relationship. So it was kind of like, I, even when I send love, I don't know that it's ever really received because I, I can't feel her. So a lot of times for other people, giving that love, even though we can say, oh, I love you. And, you know, we can be, you know, family, friends and, and, and happy around each other and what have you. But it's that really that opening our hearts and having courage and really receiving it. So can you, can you speak more about that love piece before we talk about the sun? And I love this, this whole metaphor. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, yeah, I'd love to, uh, you know, these days, there's a lot of discussion of emotional intelligence and Daniel Goleman did that, you know, great initial work and then others have, have uh, spoken to it. But what is often missing in that whole discussion is the role that an open heart plays in being emotionally intelligent. So it's healthy for us. It's healthy for our bodies to open our heart. It's healthy for our relationships. It empowers us because when we're, when we're vulnerable and allow our hearts to be uh, warmed by the warmth of the sun that's within us or within another person, and it's all one sun anyway, when that happens, we're taking in the raw power of creation, the raw power of who we are actually as a creator. And that raw power is going to be expressed, hopefully intelligently, wisely, uh, deftly in our life. But we've got to fuel up as human beings, and then we fuel up together. And we do that in vulnerability and openness. So what I say for, you know, for any of us, however you do it, whatever it does it for you, whether it's getting down on your knees in church or taking a walk into the woods, listening to a fabulous piece of music, or, or just having an intimate talk with a friend, whatever it is, find a way to let your heart melt, find a way to open up, find a way to let in the raw power of creation into your heart, because that's what, what's going to fuel everything else. And that is also the substance that connects us with the power within us and with each other. And it, so if we, if we allow that to happen, we get connected, we get fueled up. We don't, we run dry and we run cold. And living a life that way is no way to live a life. And you can try to make everything work out okay, but if you're running out of fuel and you're running cold, you start getting hard and life starts getting hard. And that's no fun. Mm, thank you. Thank you for saying that. You know, that's... Um a good way to look at my experience with this person, because like I mentioned at the top of the show, I could totally feel you and we didn't have to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation and exchange that because that radiant warm sun that you talk about that's within you just shines and, and I connect with you in there. I don't know if you could feel me. I'm I sure could. you probably, yeah, I was going to say <laughs> the same way. And, and so maybe that's the explanation of not feeling that other person that was present because yeah. there is a, a hardness, a closed, a bitter, a, a cold 
thing that happens in those relationships. So that's a really good metaphor for us because you can tangibly feel what you're talking about and what we're experiencing here. Yeah. So the, the elemental words are primal words for us as human beings. I mean, we understand hot and cold. You know, we understand what the sun is. Uh, so I think it's a wonderful language to speak about uh, the human experience. You know, I have a, a recent experience of something that's right on the point we're on. If, if I could take the opportunity to share it. Yeah, please. So, you know, I have an associate of many years. And... This man just told me in the last few days how behind kind of a quietness and a closed mouthedness, how he had like these major problems with me. And it's been going on for years. And I've always felt this disconnect and wondered, you know, there was niceness, but niceness is a very poor substitute for real connection, you know, and finally he let, let out all these terrible things that he was thinking about me. And I, you know, it hurt bad. And when we're open and vulnerable, sometimes we feel crunched and I felt crunched in it all. But on the other hand, I thought, you know, I'd much rather have that than falsity. It's like, at least we're being real. You know, that's better for me than being nice. I mean, niceness uh, is appropriate on some occasions. Don't get me wrong. But Mm -hmm. what I know for myself is what's so, so much more important is taking the risk to be real and to share the fuel that's on the inside, the love that's on the inside, on the outside. And then however that goes is the way it goes. And I'd rather take my lumps on that. And I think we all have to come to that conclusion that it's better to take our lumps on how all that goes than to live a disconnected life. That's great. You know, being real versus being nice. Um, I love that because you're right. We can be nice to each other and feel so disconnected in our world and see this. This is why this conversation is so important to us right now. I mean, when we look at our political landscape and just our, our, our whole global transition that we're in, it's scary for people. There's so much breaking down, but there's so much goodness breaking through. And here you are really teaching us how to to just take those lumps and and then get to what really matters. I love that. So you're right. Those primal words, those elements go back to that primal spirituality. I love that. And so right before we take a break, I would love to hear if you can do this in three minutes or less. What, how did you come up with becoming a son and using the sun as a metaphor for people or literally if, you know, if, if that's what you want to talk about, but how did you come up with becoming a son? And then after the break, we can, we can dig into um, the experiences and how you teach it. Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. It was on an airplane and I have friends in Australia and I was thinking about them and I just got into this really compassionate place. I don't know about you when you fly, but for me, sometimes I'm just in this different space when I'm up there in that jet, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, five miles high. 
And I just began to think about these friends and feel all these feelings of compassion and care. And then like, like really prayerful thoughts about how things would go for them. And, and then this, these words just started coming through me. What, you know, what the world needs most for you is for you to be a son. The world needs your warmth. The world needs your light. The world needs your gravity. And it just started to pour through and I, I started writing. And that became the first chapter of the book. At, at the time, it seemed a bit random. Uh, like, why am I writing about this? And I, I don't I don't know how it is for other people. I mean, I guess the creative process works differently for all of us. But for me, sometimes it just grabs a hold of me and grabs a hold of my mind and just starts saying things through me. And I just uh, I listen and I write or I speak and just let the uh, creativity inside me go where it wants to go. And then I look at it and say, hmm, uh, what was that meant for? And where should it go? And it just kept growing. Like the, the very piece had gravity for me and then for people I shared it with. And then I began to think about uh, the whole creative process that we experience as human beings. And where does it all go? What's the purpose of it? And it is so that at every, every step along the way, that we become the creator that we are on the inside, on the outside, with all those qualities of creatorship that are well described as love and light and warmth and heat uh, and all that. Mm. Well, thank you for that explanation, David. I think that um, just hearing that first phrase that came through you and we're talking about um, really that the world needs your warmth, your light and your gravity. It's like brilliant, brilliant. Um, I just can't wait to dig into this after the break. So we are going to take a quick break. We are talking with David Karsher and we will be right back. Kids have the craziest ideas about food. Where do they get this stuff? Like eating Brussels sprouts helps you hit home runs. And eating carrots gives you x-ray vision? It's nuts. And I honestly have no idea where my daughter got this notion that broccoli is the official food of professional ballerinas. Kids, the only reason my four-year-old loves cantaloupe is because he's convinced it comes from the moon. One small step for man, lots of potassium for mankind. And the other day when my oldest came up to me and said, Mom, will eating peas and carrots really help me pull off a fakey frontside ollie with a twist? I look him in the eye and say, it can't hurt, honey. It can't hurt. Moms everywhere are finding creative ways to help their kids eat five servings of fruit and vegetables a day. Get ideas, get involved, get going at letsmove.gov. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. I start laundry at 8. At 10, 
we go for a walk. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Wildfires burn millions of acres across the country each year. And each year, wildland firefighters battle to contain them. But they can't do it alone. For some communities, it's not a question of if wildfires strike, but when. And a single ember can travel more than one mile. As it twists and turns and floats through the air, that single ember can find its way to where you live and can ignite and destroy your home or your community. That single ember can be just as dangerous as the wildfire itself. You can't control where the ember will land, but you can control what happens when it does. You can take action now to prepare your home and your community for wildfire. Get fire adapted. Learn what you can do now to reduce wildfire damage later at fireadapted.org. Prepare, protect, prevail. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Learn more at fireadapted.org. And now back to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. I'm Julie Kroll. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Hey, if you are inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and maybe just listen to it again. You can do that by visiting our website, thedrjulieshow.com. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com, where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Also, stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation and today we're talking with the brilliant David Karsher and I want you to find him so you can either go to Sunrise Ranch and look him up or go to David's website davidkarsher.com that's d-a-v-i-d-k-a-r-c-h-e-r-e.com again that's david dot com and we are back David you know we were talking about your metaphor with the sun before and and on the airplane and I had I have to laugh we have so much in common I'm thinking about you on your march out of the high school doing your your protests I think was probably about the same time that I was fed up with the world and I was 11 years old out on my lawn going what on earth I don't get these humans and I had a real (laughs) significant experience myself and then I've often said riding in an air Airplane, I am so connected in with the universe and creativity just flows me. It's just that perspective thing where I just I feel more at home and I'm I'm just in my element there. So I appreciate that story. But in the book, you talk about seven experiences and you've done this for workshops as well. You've you've pulled together this collection of um, beautiful writing and, and you're talking about these experiences of really helping people embody this kind of spirituality. So let's talk about, and I love some of your your language, so I'm going to ask you um, just one by one here, but let's talk about the warmth of blessing. We were just talking about how to receive and love 
giving and receiving and really experiencing in my body. I wonder if you wanted to say anything more about that topic before we move on, because I think it's really important that, like you said, people can feel it in their bones. And it's not just being nice. It's really an experiential opening for us. So what does it really mean to open our hearts and receive love? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you know, there's something primal about it. It is the most fundamental thing to our human experience. And, you know, particularly in Western culture, we tend to be pretty heady. I knew, you know, I, growing up, my father was a Ph.D. in economics. My mother had a master's degree. So I came from an intellectual family. And and I would characterize our culture as fairly intellectual overall. Intellect doesn't help a lot with this one. This is primal. This is what it's like as a mother to hold your little baby or a father to hold your little baby. That's where we first learn about the warmth of blessing. It's, um, it's opening the heart to the power of love from another person. And we do initially learn it from another person, initially our parents. And then we do it together as we do... Uh, some kind of romantic pair bond. So we're, this is the honeymoon where we're holding somebody else, pouring our love into their heart, letting them feel that and letting them relax and open to feel it. And then in reciprocity, exchanging that back and forth. And by the way, if it doesn't go back and forth, it gets old pretty quickly. So this is this primal interchange that we have with other people in all kinds of relationship, even in business or professionally, this is what connects us. And if it's missing, all the rest of our lives aren't really built on a foundation that's, that's good and strong. So, uh, you know, this is the, the, what the warmth of blessing is all about. Mm. I appreciate that. You know, it's my history of psychotherapy as well, where, you know, we have boundaries and we have relationships, but there isn't a person that hasn't sat across from me that I haven't just fell in love with. So I really appreciate mm. you bringing that warmth of blessing into even the workplace and community and not just that um, at home. So, yes. Which leads us to the second one, because the second one is really about compassion as well. So talk about the atmosphere of understanding. Well, right. So, you know, you know this is very relevant for any kind of counseling or, or therapy or coaching uh, of, of any kind. It involves real listening. It involves non-judgment. It, it is about an enlightened mind being open and uh, being non-judgmental in witnessing the heart of another person. That, that is the essence of it. The heart doesn't respond very well to judgment. None of our hearts do, you know. And so if there's judgment, you know, and if in that chair you're sitting across from that other person and you're judging them, that heart is going to be shutting down. But when you can be there in non-judgment, then something else is happening. You're holding a space for that person to be seen, for that person to see themselves, for that person to be understood. 
in a non-judgmental way. So uh, it is just something about how we're made as human beings, that that's how we work. And this is a dynamic, as I say, between mind and heart. And when that dynamic is happening, there's a kind of magic that enters our lives that doesn't happen otherwise. And then as, as, as a leader, for instance, if you can create an atmosphere of understanding in a group of people, whoa, you've gone a long way to bring that group together to, to uh, build the workings of a team. So this is relevant between people, in groups of people, and then it's relevant in our own individual experience. Can I hold my own feeling experience in a place of non-judgment? Can I witness my own pain, my own discomfort, my own joy, my own grief without judgment of myself, without being overcome by shame? Can I just be there and say, yes, I understand? I understand myself, I have self-compassion, and I'm here to, to witness, to be a noble witness to my own human experience. So if I can do it for myself, and I can, then maybe I can do it for you and for another person. Uh, we get to practice on ourselves, I think, and, and then in some way practice on each other. Uh, but it's, it's quite a gift to give another person to bring the atmosphere of understanding. Yeah, it is. It's so important, David. And I'm thinking about your example that you shared earlier. When you invited this person to really unload all of this, he was in judgment, right? He's creating assumptions. He's all of a sudden creating judgment inside of his head. He's he's shutting down towards you and you can't feel him. He's disconnected. How do you, give us an example, how do you sit in receivership of this blunt stuff coming and yet not move into judgment yourself how do we how do we do that as a human how do we sit and receive and stay in non-judgment when there's so much judgment coming at us or or in the environment what did you do so what is fundamental in my own experience of this and i believe it's fundamental for anyone is that we have to show up and be there for our own pain uh, now, that's not, you know, a happy, uplifting message on a on a warm summer afternoon, mm -hmm. but but it is the truth of it. Our pain turns to suffering if we don't show up for it. If we are there for it, if we're willing to be a witness to our own pain and, and particularly now I'm speaking about emotional pain, but it does apply to other kinds of pain. What we find is. It hurts. But it, it isn't forever. I wake up the next day and I have the memory of it, maybe a tinge of it. But it does go away if I am an unconditionally loving person. So if I don't stop loving, then that love that's coming through me is a constant refresh. It's a constant refresh from, for that hurting heart. It, it, and for that painful experience. And I'm lifted up by the very force of creativity that love is. Love isn't just a kind feeling about somebody else, which, which it is, but it's so much more than that, that. It's the very power of creation that's looking to come through. And when it does, it lifts up the heart. It lifts up the whole human experience. And 
then I, I come to learn that I can be there for my pain. I can be a witness to my pain. I can hold my pain. And when I'm willing to do that, I can be constant and absolute. And I can keep my spiritual centering in the middle of that. And I can be myself in the middle of that. Mm. And I will say that the, the people that I've truly admired over, over my life are people who knew that. And, and I, I looked at them and I thought, wow, that's, that's amazing that a human being could do that. And I could do that, too. Mm. I love that message because it's about that self-love and self-compassion when we can just fully sit in the presence with that flowing love that we're talking about, witnessing our pain, even as the pain is continues to come. You know, there, here's this barrage of, of attack and we sit and we breathe and we love ourselves. We, we send self-compassion and then you're really loving and non-judging of that other person. So um, brilliant advice here for, for listeners. It's, there's, there's so much wisdom right there. Thank you. You know, I, I love the rest of these and I really want to even touch base on them if we can, because they're really powerful spiritual lessons for us. All. So the third one you talk about is a burst of taking action. Tell us about that. Yes. Uh, you know, wouldn't we all just love it if, if life could be just kind of all love and feeling and then connection with other people? Uh, and we didn't didn't ever have to face the challenges of life and, and the, the challenges of manifesting something in the world that works at a practical level. I mean, some part of us. Would, would love to, you know, be forever on vacation in love and la la land on the honeymoon and, and all that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm as much that way as anybody. But the reality is that not only are there practical needs in our world, but in manifesting something uh, that's life enhancing, life giving in our world, for us and for the people around us and for all of the creation around us, there's something life-giving for us. So in taking action, there's an activation physically. So this has a lot to do with uh, the activation of our physical body, the use of our vitality and strength uh, to create. And then the experience that comes from that, which is of increase life ourselves. And then we have the very practical benefit of all the things that created get created around us. This is a it's quite quite something for all of us to learn at some point in our life. We just have to come face to face with the, the practicality of the world. Now, some of that is the human world as it's been created, which seems somewhat arbitrary to me. But I, I do believe in the real world, uh, in, in the world of creation as it was meant to be. This is part of life, is to live in the practicality of things and then to allow our human capacity to be honed, to be effective and full of life in, in taking action in, in the world in which we live. Mm. Yeah, you know, just feeling... Um 
all of this love without really taking action and moving it forward is um, like I, I I agree. I would like to be on vacation and a honeymoon <laughs> and what have you. But there is so much meaning in taking action and really following that spirit and that that love that moves through us. And I love I love how you talk about that power of creation. So thank you for that. The next one is fusion of fulfilling our mission. And we hear about this so much in today's world, connecting with our mission and fulfilling it and, and moving forward with the mission. And it is an important one. It's just fundamental in us learning that we have a higher calling. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, what's to say? You know, I think at some point in our lives, if we're moving on our path, we come to a place where we realize that we've been living in a small world, that we've somehow defined the reality and the context that we're living in, in a small way. And there's something much bigger than that smallness. And by the way, that small world is breaking down and it's not working. It's not working for us and it's not working for the people around us. And what we see is that the the real answer is to stop living so small, to see that there's something larger at stake here than the little four walls of the place in which we've been. And when we start relating to that larger context, and who knows how far that goes for us, but when we start relating to that larger context, we're, we're tapping into the universal. We're tapping into the power of creation that's not only in us, but in all, all people around us that isn't just relevant for us personally, but for all of humanity and for this planet. And, and we see that our destiny is tied in with other people. At some point in my, my life, I thought about all the, uh, all the people in the world who are in such dire straits, in such difficult situations, all the people who are put down and who are getting some kind of raw deal, and in many cases suffering through that in a very noble way and carrying on very nobly, but nonetheless uh, having a very difficult time of it. And, and what came to me was, you know, I'm never going to really be happy through and through just being happy for myself. That my destiny is tied in with all these other people. And even if I can't change the world in, you know, in a day, a year or a lifetime, my meaning is tied up with contributing to that larger reality. And when I, I see that larger reality, I'm also I'm connecting to the power that's behind that larger reality, to the answer to all of that for all of humanity. Uh, so uh, my feet are on the ground. I live a very practical life, but I also have part of me. I'm, I, I'm a double Aquarian anyway. But I, so I have part of myself that is just in touch with the universal, the universal problems, but also the universal solution. And I'm bringing that universal into my every day, and it, it inspires me. This is the greatest motivation in a human life when we connect with the wholeness of things and we see that there are actions that we could take on earth in our lives to bring the grandness of the wholeness of everything and let it live right here among you and me. I mean, the connection we're sharing is star connection. It's no different than star power. 
sun power. And we're sharing it right here on Earth, you know, uh, between us. And that's just magnificent. Mm-hmm. Amen. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. You know, David, we have um, about 10 minutes left, and I want to ask you a really important question to close because I think it's intriguing what I've heard you say. But I wanted—I just want to touch on these last three. We talk about enlightened thought, courage, and grace. And, of course, grace, um, I love grace. It's the title of my book coming out, Fractured Grace. It's so important to me. What do you want to how, – how can you enlighten us about enlightened thought, courage, and grace? Uh, okay, uh, let's try to rip through these. So, <laughs> in, enlightened thought, you know, I was really speaking of it earlier when I was speaking about riding on the plane. There is an intelligence and a wisdom inside us. Mm. And if we're willing to give our minds the job of hooking into that and responding to that and being a vessel for that, a channel for it, being moved by it, then the more we do that, the more clear the water of that truth runs through our mind, the more the wiser we become. If we're willing to just keep receiving the wisdom that's available to us and keep being open to that wisdom, not substituting prejudice and bias, uh, preconception, old beliefs, but really be open to new thinking. Even if it turns out that somebody seems to have thought the thought before, if it's new for you, it's new. It's original. And living your life from your own original thought is the only way to live a life. It is the only way to live your life. So that's that's enlightened thought. The gravity of courage. You know, uh, Maya Angelou says that of all the virtues, courage is the most important. Because if you don't have courage, you won't exercise all the other virtues all the time. You may sometimes, occasionally, casually. But when it gets difficult, which is when it matters, if you don't have courage, you won't do it. Courage is about every dimension of the human experience, but being yourself in it, having the integrity to to express yourself and 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 how you express your feelings, the courage to take the love that's on the inside and let it show on the outside, that's an act of courage. The courage to think for yourself, to think your own thoughts, and then the courage to act on what you think and the wisdom that you receive, and not not settle for the wisdom of the evening newscast, so, so called or talk radio, or a book you you just read, but to truly think for for yourself. So that's, uh, that's courage. And, and grace is receiving and seeing and appreciating the goodness of life, even when it's not so good. You know, the goodness of life isn't just when I get the things I want, or when good so-called good things happen to me. Goodness is when I accept that the circle of life moves as it does, and I'm entering that circle, and there's beauty and there's grace in that circle, and there's life and there's death in that circle. You know, where I live at Sunrise Ranch, I told people this morning, you know, today there's going to be all kinds of death of plants, plant life and, and animal life, 
out in our pastures. And yet it's part of the circle of life. And I can celebrate it all. I can participate in it all. I can't improve on that. I can't improve on the circle of life. I enter it and I feel the grace of it. And, uh, and then I'm just split open in gratitude uh, for, for, the, for the grace of, of the circle of life. Mm. Wow, that, that's a beautiful reflection on grace. I, I really appreciate you talking about that because in our world today, sometimes it, I, it, I totally trust Everything that's happening is really a beautiful thing for us, even when we're breaking open, even when we're breaking down. And and just for our listeners who, you know, may be in fear and and frustration or confusion as they're looking around the world, um, this role of grace is so important. It's like mm. trusting that goodness to be there. So I, I love that. Thank you, David. That's that's really really magnificent when we can breathe that in and embody that. Mm. Well, right. Okay. And if we know, go ahead. Do we have to I, I was going to say that if we know that grace for ourselves, we can bring it to somebody else and, and we can in essence be saying not probably not in words, but you know, I know it can be tough and sometimes awful, but it's wonderful yeah. too. And, and it's okay. Hmm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you. So what what I really wanted to make sure I had just a couple minutes here left in the show, but I love when you wrote this phrase, so I really want to bring it back to you. Of course, there's many phrases that I would love to bring back to you and quotes that you have, but I used it in our intro. So I want to give you just a moment to speak into this. You said... Um, let me see if I can get it exactly. Well, it's a it's a portion of it. Everything in your life is conspiring for you to bring it forth. And we're we're referring to that shine and that sun and that warmth yeah. and that that love that we're talking about. So what does it mean that everything in our life is conspiring for us to bring it forth? Well, I think by nature, or at least by habit, as human beings, we're looking for the good things and we're looking to stay away from the bad things, you know, and uh, that could m mean all kinds of experiences. But take this recent experience I had with this associate. It, at some levels, it was awful. But at another level, it was conspiring to, to let me be the son that I am. It brought me to accept more fully my own wholeness, my own realness, my own lovingness even. You know, at the end of it, I, I thought, you know, at the root of this, I cannot do anything but love because I am at my root uh, and heart. I am a loving person. It was so life affirming. So you, you said it earlier that some of the things that look like they could break us down, break us open. That's all conspiring to let us be the son that we are, to be a, a more loving person, a more wise person, a person who is more fully on the outside and transparently who they are on the inside. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean when I say everything's conspiring for us to become a son, the good things and the bad, so-called. Amen. Oh, David, thank you so much for bringing your essence and, and this really this beautiful conversation to us here today. I'm so happy and honored you could be with us. 
Thank you, Julie. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Mm, well, thank you. And listeners, we've been talking with David Karcher, and you can again find him at David, K-A-R-C-H-E-R-E.com. When does your book come out, David? It comes, comes out in the fall. It's looking like November. Excellent. Okay, watch for this book, Becoming a Son, and you can go to his website or the Sunrise Ranch website and read more blogs by David. There's lots of good stuff there. David, what is the website address for Sunrise Ranch? It's sunriseranch.org. .org. Okay, there you go, sunriseranch.org. And look at their offerings there. You will love going there and visiting. There's so much for you. Okay, thank you again for tuning in with us today. And remember, together we create connections for the greater good of the whole. So until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.